0: Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hail, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic.
1: Hello and welcome back to the FMH InsureCast. I am your host, Ryan Bennis. It's been a little while since we've been on, so we're very glad to be back with you just wrapped up acreage reporting season here uh july 15th has come and gone and now we are finishing up with keying those acres as we look forward to uh some of our fall updates and so that's what we're going to talk about here today some of the fall updates that have occurred for your multi peril policy um and including a little bit about margin protection one of the updates that we did hear about from uh rma and ncis were some expansions to the margin protection program. So we're going to cover a little bit of what margin is for those that are new to it and a little review for those that are familiar as well and i got a couple of guests with me to walk through some of those updates uh one being derek waters he's one of our trainers in the southeast he's been on before with us and he's going to give us kind of an in-depth look at those updates that we heard about for this fall and then we also have ken ripley who's a frequent guest he's going to chat about what uh, agents and farmers need to think about with these updates and including his farmer perspective when it comes to margin protection so with that said let's go ahead and talk with uh derek and ken here derek why don't you introduce yourself and uh tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today hey i'm derek waters the southeast region trainer and some of you
0: astute listeners may have noticed that previously that was the east region uh, but we've been getting kind of long in the timeline for getting these update meetings done so we'll be bringing on a new trainer for the northeast kind of taking the michigan indiana illinois ohio uh, round in ryan ryan vandal will be joining me across fall update so i'm now the southeast regional trainer and uh we're gearing up working through materials and getting everything ready to go for update meetings kicking off next week and we also got my
1: sidekick ken uh ken tell everybody what you sound like
2: welcome everyone ken ripley i'm the northwest region sales manager hail from blue earth minnesota and it's always fun to be on the podcast here with ryan
1: sounds good now i have on the top of my list a little bit of crop progress and i would say uh it's july 24th today and probably the biggest uh news for this week is just how hot it's going to be out there Uh, we're going to be close to triple digits in a lot of places across the midwest um but Derek, you told me you guys had quite the weather event here recently in your neck of the woods. Yeah, if you've been uh, watching the news, uh, West Kentucky, which
0: I'm in the far western side of the state, but West Kentucky uh, set a state single day rainfall record uh, at a, an official gauge just outside of Mayfield. And if Mayfield sounds familiar, that's because that's the small town about 10 miles away from me is the crow flies that got uh, decimated by the tornadoes three years ago. So. Uh, Hate to see that for the folks over in Mayfield, all the flooding that came through uh, right as they're kind of getting back on their feet after the tornado. So everybody just uh, keep those guys in your thoughts and prayers and uh, lots of crops here in my area. You're either in the bottoms or you're on a hill. Hill crops are looking pretty good, but obviously with that much rain, uh, there weren't many creeks and rivers that didn't get out of their banks. And so uh, lots of water. Anybody needs some?
1: (laughs) Well, Ken, I bet you could use some. Tell us about what things look like by you.
2: <laughs> yeah. So right here where I'm at in Blue Earth, Minnesota, our crops still look pretty good. Um, we could definitely use a rain. We're you know, like like most of the nation, gonna be in the mid to upper nineties this week. So we'll really test it. We did get some rain. The rain's been very spotty, but overall for my region, the crops are looking fairly good. Um but again there's there's pockets where they just have not gotten the rain and so those those crops are really going to be stressed this week with the uh, with the lack of moisture happening uh you don't go too far south or or um west of me and things change dramatically where they desperately need some more rains to come in so um with that we'll see what this brings this week's markets are definitely uh paying attention to this hot weather and dry forecast because uh it's exciting from a person trying to sell some new crop, uh, mm-hmm. to see gains of corn of 30 cents today and 24 cents on beans. So trying to get some sales in place. That's a, that's a, nice thing to see on the board.
1: Most definitely. Yeah. At the very moment, again, it's July 24th and things happen quickly in the, in the grain price world, but, uh, we got heat, we've got some recent sales to China and we have, uh, Russia pulling out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which is something we're all learning about as we're going here. And uh, essentially all three of those things uh, pointing to more bullish prices with corn and soybeans. So as I looked at it uh, just about 10 minutes ago, our December corn price is 5.68 and our November bean price was 14.24. Uh, Just a little perspective, I think somewhere in the last three or four weeks ago, that corn price was almost down to $4 and 80 cents for a day or two there. And beans have bounced back uh, tremendously as well from the earlier part of the spring. I think beans were in the the 12s somewhere. So a big time bounce back, uh, which is obviously a positive for farmers. And just a little bit of a preview before we get to talk to margin later, our margin prices, which are, uh, for those that don't know, a policy bought this fall for the 2024 crop year those prices are using the 24 uh, prices so december 24 corn that's at 5 45 and 1314 on beans so those are pretty good numbers and those are going to be the numbers at least again things change quickly when we establish those margin prices that's where we're going to start and uh between that and what we think are some some pretty reasonable input costs. We think margin might be a little bit more attractive this year uh, if we start off with those prices than they have been in previous years. So we will talk a little bit more about that later, but Derek, uh, you just went to probably one of the most exciting events on the face of the earth (laughs) where you get to talk about crop insurance updates. um, And we don't wanna make it sound too boring because these things are important, but give us a few of the highlights of what you heard about at the uh, fall update training. Yeah, I like to tell the agents if they
0: think our meetings are a little bit dry, try stretching it out to a day and a half. And so we we try to condense that, uh, that day and a half down into that three-hour update meeting that you get in the field. But uh, not a lot of big overarching changes, but there were some things pretty significant to our agents out there. Uh, for one example, HR ACE, for those that write that high-risk alternate coverage endorsement, uh, your sound bite for the promo, HR Ace is going away. Actually, it's just getting relocated uh, under the high-risk land exclusion option. Uh, uh, sounds a lot like what we did with enterprise units last year. Basically, just cleaning all of those high-risk options up under that high-risk land exclusion option. So not necessarily a huge change, but probably something that our agents will want to be aware of. Uh, as they get into the next year. Same year production reporting, SYPR, uh, it's being made official and getting all the language updates. So lots of changes in the crop insurance handbooks around that. And uh, it's actually going to be with a new name, the IPR or the insured production report. So RMA pulled out all the creative stops when they came up with uh, with the new language for the same year production reporting
1: Derek. i don't want to throw too much shade at at the government here but it sounds like they're making up acronyms to make up acronyms <laughs> at this point right we we need some of them right we need some of them but that one seems like a little over the board uh, but uh, that's just me so it was a struggle not to chuckle out loud at the conference ryan because it was a <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> the big unveiling of the insured production report the ipr uh oh, well And if you've got specialty crops out there, a couple of things. uh, If you're interested in the the biofuels industry, uh, big expansion coming through for Camelina in the Great Plains, North Dakota, Montana, Pacific Northwest. Uh, And then quality loss option is going to be extended for category C crops. So several category C crops that will be eligible for that quality loss option. And for the rest of us, we may have a little bit of a review there on that quality loss option as well.
1: Gotcha. I'm gonna back you up a little bit here. Can you tell me and Ken what HR Ace is? And and maybe kind of a follow-up there from the sounds of it. It's not going away uh as far as an option. It's just going away in its current form. Is that fair to say, Derek?
0: Yeah, really the program's not changing. It probably will boil down to being how they elect that coverage. But just as a refresher here, so if you've got high-risk land, which we have a lot of that here in the Southeast, but if you've got the high-risk land, typically you can do a high-risk land exclusion, a high-risk land exclusion to CAT, or you could elect this endorsement called the high-risk alternate coverage endorsement. And what that would just allow you to do is ensure that at a coverage level above CAT, but below the regular policy. They're just rolling that high-risk alternate coverage endorsement into the high-risk land exclusion option so when you elect that high-risk land exclusion option you'll then have three choices there exclude it exclude it to cat or put it in a lesser high-risk policy
1: okay sounds good ken you got that
2: yeah i'm just thankful i don't deal with a lot of that up in my region so i'm gonna (laughs) let the the experts in the south handle that
1: (laughs) well i'm far from an expert on it either but uh hrace although you might have high-risk land in a state like minnesota the reason ken's not as familiar with it is because it hasn't been an option there so HRA's, although it applies to high-risk land is still uh fenced in in certain areas certain states so um now this one hits almost everybody the same year production reporting and you, you talked about it being called the ipr what is the What is something agents need to be aware of? And is there anything for the farmer to be aware of on that same year production reporting?
0: Well, really, as far as date changes go, nothing's really going to change there, Ryan. It's going to be the same, follow the same dates that we've traditionally used. But for some of the farmers or insurers that may be listening to the podcast, your agent for 2023 historically would have reported that production in 2024. Well, it's no secret that RMA does a lot of data mining out of that information. And so going forward, we'll report that production for 23 in reinsurance year 23. So not necessarily a huge change for the uh, agents, other than they will stay in that same reinsurance year when they report that production. And I know we're going to also be highlighting, we'll have some system changes and enhancements that we made uh, around that uh, uh, insured production report, and I'm having to get in the habit of saying that instead of same year production reporting. Uh, So we'll make sure we highlight some of those and let agents know what to expect in the system uh, going forward for same year production reporting. I'm sorry,
1: IPR. (laughs) Yes, I guess same year production reporting makes sense to us because it hasn't been that way. But in the future, saying same year production reporting, it's just going to be the way it is, right? That's right. The insured production report. IPR. Okay.
2: And there's actually some pretty good value in that too, as we be talking here a little bit about margin in the future. One of the big values of this is for the customers and just policies in general, these area plans, now that the production is going to be reported in the same year, we don't have that disconnect if land changes hands and getting that data for these area plans to be tied more closely and we don't have any acre drop off with reporting. So I think even though it's a Change or pain, maybe for the agents with the change. I think overall it'll be a, a positive once we get used to the used to the change with with the process.
1: Awesome, and I'll just add this: this I will, you know, uh, put up a disclaimer and say it's pure speculation. But there there have been rumblings from people that I know are are fairly well connected with the farm bill that there may be some improvements to payment dates. On area plans that come about as a result of this change, that would require a change to the production reporting date in some fashion. But I think that is a uh, that opens the door for for reporting production a little earlier and therefore getting those area plan payments out. So just speculation, but I think it's a possibility out there. So Derek, we have uh, fall update meetings happening. These are our highlights. Are there any more highlights to cover? And what do agents need to know about our our fall update trainings? Well, fall updates kick off next week. I will be in Illinois
0: with our new Northeast trainer, Ryan Vandal, and uh, Laura's going to be down in Texas. And the following week, pretty much everything goes wide open. All regions will be running wide open. So I would say go to FMHA or fmh.com agent training and sign up for those trainings. So we do wanna make sure that we've got room for you. Uh, So make sure you get signed up for those trainings. Also not to discount, not necessarily new information, but we do always hit the review materials, claims review, your dates, how to submit, et cetera. Uh, Actuarials, so lots of actuarial changes this year that we try to break those down by state as we're working through those different states. And then the fall update reminders, I know it's a little bit repetitive sometimes, but most agents do appreciate the review on all those little things that have to be done as we start to get into harvest season here. So uh, and we'll wrap it up in most areas. I don't know if this is a good time for a segue or not, but we'll actually wrap it up with a margin protection review, because as you guys are well aware, margin protection has seen a significant expansion this year. Uh, and so that's probably how we'll end most of the update meetings in the areas where that margin protection is now available is with a review uh kind of an overview of sorts on margin protection
1: yeah no I think that's a perfect transition Derek and maybe i'll give you a chance to warm up for your fall update meetings next week can you give us uh can you give us a a, a quick one minute 101 on what margin is and then we'll talk a little bit about some of our perspectives on that ken and i can talk through sounds like a plan if you can do it in I'll, one minute i'll give you a, i'll give you i'll the send one, you a I'll donut give you the or one something.
0: minute then we'll let the experts <laughs> take over <laughs> margin protection area plan and i always tell agents try not to overcomplicate this thing it's an area plan but it does have a factor for input cost built into it uh So really pretty basic. But what you do, in my opinion, is you pay out faster because you take off that 95 percent coverage level minus the input cost. And it gives you a number that basically gives you top end coverage. What's really unique with margin protection, and I'm sure you guys are going to talk about this quite a bit. You hit on it some is the September 30th sales closing date. So for corn, soybeans and spring wheat it basically allows you an extra price discovery period, especially for coupling it with the
1: underlying multi-barrel policy. It, that's pretty good. One minute. That's too much, too right little. there. I, I give them, I give them <laughs> props for that. Um, and there's, and there's a little bit more to it that we can go through here, but what Derek said is if there's one takeaway, I would say for listeners out there, the number one thing, the number one attraction, and the number one thing to know about margin is that you get a third price. You get potentially a third price. And that price is established August 15th through September 15th. So that's why we talk about margin, even though it's a, uh, meant for spring crops, we talk about margin in the fall because it has a September 30th, 30th sales closing date. Um, and that, That third price being king, that's the one thing we want to pay attention to because with your traditional policies, we get a spring or projected price and we get a fall or harvest price. This allows us to start setting our insurance coverage six months before we get to that March 15th or 228 sales closing date. So that's the number one thing. And as Derek mentioned, it has an input cost element to it as well. Um, at times that input cost element is probably overstated as as its impact on the policy. However, in the last two years, 2022 and 2023, those input costs have had a pretty significant impact on claim payments, or at least for 2023, they will. They will have an impact on claim payments. Um, But Ken, maybe talk a little bit to how those input costs can affect the policy and maybe a little bit about where you feel things are lining up when because I know you talked about pricing some inputs yourself recently here so where's your head at when you think about those
2: yeah so first off like for 2023 one of the things that we were coming off of 2022 with is obviously we know prices are running up input prices hit you know historic levels essentially last fall so um So margin 2023 was starting with very high input costs Uh, and then come April. So one of the things that we have this input component, it has a price discovery for the inputs in that September, or excuse me, August 15th or September 15th date for the, we'll call it the fall price discovery. And then the spring price discovery on this is actually in the month of April for those inputs. Well, as many producers know from Last fall to last spring, prices changed a lot. And as a result, had a very negative impact on our 2023 uh, margin policy. I'm just looking at my county here. uh, We're down. Inputs themselves dropped by over 80 bucks, roughly 80 bucks an acre, which in short is a negative against the policy because that means the price either has to drop a lot more or the yield has to drop because the inputs have gotten less expensive, the margin goes up, and so you have to offset to have any indemnity. You have to have either price drop or um, the yield drop for the county. So looking at my county right now, especially with what the prices Ryan gave here, a little bit ago on the um, on the corn and soybeans, for example, being higher, margin is gonna be, is in many areas, is gonna need to have a yield loss if prices stay where we're at for the commodity themselves to have any losses trigger,
1: um, and you're talking now, about 2023, there, correct?
2: 2023, yep, yep. So, yep. So for 23, if you had a margin policy, it's looking like you're going to have to have a yield shortage in your county. If if today's prices hold true through uh, through harvest, we're going to need to have a yield loss to trigger any any margin payments for the 2023 policy. Now let's jump forward to twenty twenty four. So here in August, we're going to start tracking the input costs. Um, and I just got done actually, literally before this conference, before we recorded this uh, podcast, I locked in my inputs for oh, wow. 2020, 2023. Congrats, Ken! And I'm, and yeah. So now I should <laughs> sell something. Um, <laughs> that's right. Isn't that how that's supposed to work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um the good news is, and, and you know, if I'm comparing, looking at. My where I'm buying my inputs at, if I would have bought them, it, what I bought, paid a year ago at this time versus what I'm paying for for next year's crop, for me in our area, we're still using Hydrus quite a bit. Uh, and Hydrus is down 53% from a year ago. Now, if you'd have bought Hydrus in the springtime, you'd be it'd even be substantially more. So it'd be like a third the cost versus 50% of the cost. Uh, Potash is down 50%. MAP is down 35%. let us see here. ATS is down 40%. So all of the inputs have come down, and rightfully so. With the price of grains where they're at, uh, the inputs needed to come come down. But to see that quick of a return or a turnaround, uh, I wasn't expecting that as a producer. So it's a happy day to see um, them come down that fast. Usually prices run up and then costs take a long time to come down. But the fertilizers have adjusted pretty quick. So, so to your point, Ryan, I think there's that's you know we're starting at more of a mid range, low range on input costs, which bode well for the margin policy, uh, especially when we're talking about um, what did you say, uh, November or December twenty four was uh, 545. five forty five. 545 so the combination of that with these reduced input costs margin is going to be something we need to definitely take a close look at I'd like say we still have another month and a half uh to look at where the prices go but if if this week's weather keeps unfortunately driving yield down you know can even get even more exciting in the next next few weeks
1: most definitely and so just to put a take a i guess uh grab a couple of takeaways from that uh Input costs do have an impact on the policy.
2: Um,
1: that impact historically has been fairly small, although in 22 and 23, we did, they did have larger impacts and those input costs can both help or hurt the policy. And we actually had a significant uptick in the prices in 2022, which helped trigger a lot more margin uh, losses. And we had a significant downtick in our input costs for 2023, which is going to make it more difficult to trigger claims. As Ken was saying earlier, it's probably gonna require yield loss in your county to get a margin protection claim. So if input costs are getting higher, that is a positive in terms of a claim payment, but if they're dropping, then that would be a negative. And since we are starting at, like you said, Ken, a mid to low range, and with, I would say, very good commodity prices for the 24 year, that's where the attraction sits right now. Once again, it's July 24th. We could have a totally different conversation two weeks from now, but if you understand the basics of the policy, right now it looks very attractive. Um, so tell us, Derek, A little bit maybe about the geographical expansion on margin Uh, that was new that or that is new for 2024.
0: Yeah, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now, but I think the corn 47 states, it's available in some counties. Now, granted, you don't get every county because they have to have enough data. Margin protection is very data driven. Uh, The soybean expansion wasn't quite as broad, but still a pretty significant east and southeast predominantly. And so that's where you're going to see a lot of this interest in expansion and margin protection. So it'll be uh, uh, one thing to note there as well, too, in case we have some southeast folks on. If you guys are aware, can't have margin protection with SEO, ECO, and hip wheat will now
1: be added to that list as well. Got it. Yeah, as I was looking at the map, Derek, um, it looked like to me you had corn and soybeans expanding to pretty much every county where corn and soybeans are offered for yield or revenue protection i'm sure there's some exceptions out there but previously margin protection area was was limited to mostly the corn belt uh, and now that's expanded outside of that so for instance in your home state there derek we have plenty of corn and beans in the state of kentucky but previously margin wasn't available now in 2024 it will be available so one of many places where margin will be new. Um, One thing that we haven't talked about here, but that is important, margin protection works together with your underlying policy. And so there's some considerations there, but ultimately what it comes down to is if I buy a margin policy, which I can buy as high as a level as 95%, uh, I can buy that with an underlying revenue protection plan that's specific to my operation and my APH, and if I have both of those together, two things happen. One, I get a discount on my margin protection policy, and the reason I get a discount is because I only ever get the higher of the two payments between margin protection and my individual policy. So it's possible that my individual policy can end up paying for some of the margin protection losses and therefore i get a discount so it's very important to know that understand that there's a discount with margin protection primarily because almost everybody that buys margin buys an underlying policy with it which we highly recommend um, because it comes with things like prevent plant coverage and getting you paid on time versus waiting until we pay those area plans both positives for having an underlying plan um, and and therefore when we're looking at the cost or the premium cost of margin this fall producers should understand that is the that is the most margin could possibly cost um, Can can you talk to me a little bit about i know you've taken margin in the past when you took a look at margin, and then you saw the discount, what what were some takeaways that you had yourself?
2: Yeah, so um, so I didn't have it for twenty three. I did have it for twenty twenty two, and one of the big ones was locking in, which I thought was a pretty good uh, fall price, or I guess we should call it fall summer price. I'm not sure terminology. <laughs> but we should officially projected price. I think is the terminology I'm supposed to use. The projected price for margin gave some some nice nice value there. At the end of the day, for my policy, um, because of the overlap with the coverage, my underlying multi peril essentially was completely offset by the premium credit uh, for the the overlap of coverage between the margin and my RP policy. So, so it cut the total cost of my margin policy essentially in half for for my county, um, which made it uh, made it even more attractive from that standpoint. Now we had a really good crop, so I didn't get paid on it. So it's that's a good thing. I'd rather market the bushels than. Uh, in, cash and insurance check but but that is that was the takeaway so it gave me some nice underlying coverage uh protected me from an input standpoint uh, very nicely and and married well with the underlying revenue policy as well
1: most definitely um we did previously around this time in 2022 uh, also do a in-depth Um, video cast and uh, FMH InsureCast on margin protection where we not only dug into all the rules and considerations, but we talked a little bit about strategy and who might fit better into a margin protection policy. So keep that in mind. It's in the library of old margin protection uh, or old FMH InsureCast episodes. But I'm going to give you one more chance here, Ken. Uh, What are some takeaways that you would have, some frequently asked questions you get from agents about margin um, that we should cover here before before we wrap up?
2: The biggest item, and it's really not just specific to margin, it's going to be for any of these area plans. One of the key takeaways I have with producers is first finding out what your expected county yield is. So in my case, in my county, my expected county yield for 2023 for corn was 211. In my case, my personal APH um, for corn this year is 213. So I'm very closely aligned to the county. And my historical way I yield, I yield in correlation with the county. So if the county has a bad year, I typically have a bad year. If the county has a good year, I have a good year. I don't, I'm not the opposite. If you're a producer that is the opposite of what the county does i would definitely shy away from margin and any area plan because because it is not individual coverage it's uh, how is the county going to produce so if you're underperforming when in a year that the counties typically have any decent or non non maybe lost year uh you want to have your under individual coverage uh probably be your insurance policy versus taking an area plan Um, Now, having said that, if you're a producer that overperforms the county all the time and you want to use the margin policy like a hedge and protect prices from that way, you get the benefit of the subsidy. That is something to look at. But as long as you're not performing just the opposite of the area, then then it's definitely a policy to consider. That's one of the things I always start with as we talk to new producers that are looking at margin for the first time. Let's let's look at your loss history and see how you've done in comparison to how the county's performed. And if we're not matching similar trends, shy away from it. Because last we want to do is have you buy a policy that you're not going to ever have a a chance for a loss on. And then you individually are getting hit uh, harder in your operation.
1: Most definitely. And I should have snuck this in earlier when we were talking about discounts, but um, those discounts are calculated based off farmers performance in their database or essentially their history so if you're a farmer that has had very few losses or maybe you're a new producer and you don't even have a full 10-year history or you only have a handful of years of history those are not going to trigger as deep a discounts as if you have a farmer that has a full 10-year of history with some losses sprinkled in um, because that is what is used as the basis for calculating a discount so if i'm a beginning farmer i'm basically using the t yield in the county i'm not going to get any discount on my on my margin protection policy so keep that in mind and, and that probably means that a beginning farmer is probably typically not a good candidate for margin protection um but that said, I think I wanna go back to where we started, where Derek hit on, which is that we do get that third price. And in a year like this, you just don't know. If we if we end up with something close to the 545 that we have today, uh, there's no promises that 545 will be available when we get to February and we calculate that spring price for our revenue protection policy. And you'd be awful thankful to have that 545 under your margin protection policy if we started off with spring prices at 475. Um, that, that's a, this is a one-time opportunity to, to grab that price on a subsidized insurance policy or pass and hope for the next six months that we're not gonna see prices turn against us. So essentially that's our, our margin expansion slash recap slash uh, strategy talk for 2000. 24. And thank you, Derek, for covering some of those highlights of our fall update training. We look forward to seeing agents out there, out and about uh, in the next, what, three or four weeks. When will we be wrapped up with fall updates, Derek? Yeah, I think I'll run uh, probably a little later than everybody else does, but uh,
0: wrap up about the first week of September.
1: Okay. So we will be out there. Derek will be out there traveling a lot over the next five or six weeks. And I know Ken and I will be hitting the update meetings that we can get to as well. So, thank you, Ken and Derek, again for joining me here today. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the FMH Insurecast on whichever platform you're listening to this on, and we will uh, we will talk at you again soon. You've been listening to FMH
0: Insurecast. We appreciate you joining us today, and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast. You can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is
1: an equal opportunity provider.